The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Pride to Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and meat sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein and each stick has eight grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. And now through the end of December, you can go to RighteousFelon.com and use the discount code POD20 at checkout to get 20% off your order. That's promo code POD20 at RighteousFelon.com, valid through 12-31-2022. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, pride of Detroit.com, pride of Detroit on Twitter, pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to find us. You know where to do everything. Get us here. Pride of Detroit, uh, twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit right now as we're live here on Boxing Day. Happy holidays, everyone. Welcome back. It's been a bit of a minute. Uh, we are kind of running a little bit of uh, of shorthanded here because the pl- holidays are still biting us all in the ass. But uh, we promised you a show. We promised you a show, and we always deliver. So I am Christopher Fett, the adequate host, starting us off very adequately by forgetting to hit the record button and hitting it this time and doing all this. And joining me in a uh, pinch hitting situation is Mike Payton at POD P- underscore Payton. Uh, hi, Mike. Been a minute. Uh, how's it going? Hey, I'm not the rock god. I'm more of the R and B god, the smooth R and B god. That makes you sound too cool. Okay, the jazz, that, 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 smooth jazz god, easy listening god. I, I was going to say more like a kid's bop. I'm the, I'm the AM God. AM? AM talk radio God. No, no, no. So our talk radio back in Salida used to have a polka hour. Oh. You are the polka. You are the polka hour. Polka God. All right. I like yeah. it. I'll take it. Weird Al's cool. I don't even think. Oh, okay, never mind. We're we're off the rails already. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're going to clean up a little bit from, Bron- from uh, Panthers and Lions here. 
This is going to be a shorter podcast just because it's a two-man show here tonight, but I did want to get back on the air to talk about some playoff chances, give the people what they want. But first, I think we need to dig a little bit deeper. And I gave my thoughts in the post game right away back, back on Saturday about the Carolina Panthers game, which I, I honestly feel like I should rather just sum up by now a clip we've got from, uh, from Dan Campbell, where he just congratulated Steve Wilkes was charged up and said, that was a hell of it. That was a uh, effing ass whooping. And yeah. there's no other way to describe a game where the lions defense as bad as their defense been all year gives up w- over 500 yards of total offense from the Carolina <laughs> offense, which is helmed by San Darnold and like Donta Foreman's a good running back, but Chuba, Chuba Hubbard's also having like a, a career day too. Like they, they got run over. They got the lions have decided their identity in the Dan Campbell era is, is trying to win in the trenches and they got dominated on both lines this game. Without question. Yeah. I mean, it was their defense looked like that defense that we saw early in the season. It was a complete and total regression. It, it, it felt like a trap game and, and, and Ryan kind of called it out on, on a few podcasts ago when he had mentioned the Bengals game on Christmas Eve Chance to get into the playoffs, same situation all over again. And that's exactly what it felt like. Well, I don't think I don't think Lions fans knew what they were walking into for this game either. The the they had won three out of their last five. Uh, they had won over the Falcons, the Broncos, the Seahawks. And I get yeah, those are all teams going the wrong side of the southbound, but like, you know, they 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 still were able to exact. You, there's one there's such a thing as I had this conversation with people on Saturday too. like there's such a thing as like having a good matchup in the NFL, which is such a week to week league. So they had to match up right, which they did, and they executed well, which they did. And this is the result that the Lions made that their offense was made to look like the worst offense. In the, I mean, the worst defense was made to look like the worst defense in the league and the offense, which had been doing pretty well, got stimmied, got derailed. There was no ground game at all on Saturday. And that's the result. That's the result. You get a, a, a complete ass whooping that the final result of 37, 23 does not describe how, how anywhere near how close this game might have even, even at a 14 point uh, margin of victory. It wasn't that for this entire day. No, no, not at all. There's a lot of garbage time. Definitely and, the Panthers were, we're backing off there at the end for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's so I, I guess my question is, is that we try to place these kind of games in a larger spectrum all the time, a larger story we try to tell at the end of the year, which is a hard because the NFL is a week to week league in that regard, but I get it. The lions were coming off winning six of their last seven. They were coming up standing toe to toe with some of the better teams in the league, but also I don't think they were ever really tested by some of these teams they had played prior to this as far as a a ground game. Like you look at the bills and yeah, like Jared out everyone, everyone is always scared of Josh Allen and how he can run. But, you know, Devin Singletary for them got 72 yards in that game. And that was probably a, a a, a warning sign there because then you play the Jaguars the Vikings and the Jets who none of them had good ground games. I know that, that, that the Vikings had Dalvin has have Dalvin cook, 
But once it was clear they couldn't run with him, they moved away from him almost immediately. And then the Jets and the Jaguars don't have much ground game to really speak of, or they couldn't do anything with their ground games. And their responses when when they got hit in the mouth with their run games was to move away from it. Right. Whereas as soon as the Carolina, as soon as Carolina realized that Donta Foreman and Hubbard could get loose, they just let the they let the dogs out. Yeah, I mean, they they figured out exactly what the Lions wanted to do to defend the run, and that's bringing those corners in like Jeff Okuda and stuff like that, and, and they couldn't do it. They couldn't. I think Okuda had four missed tackles himself uh, just all day. I mean, they were they just they were opening up holes. They were going to the outside. They they had their way. There was nothing that 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 uh, Panthers run offense couldn't do. Yeah, and there was, and it's not just that too. It's it's the it's it was a double threat too. Sam Darnold must like just like playing the the. Uh, the lions. I I'm curious, like who do you think probably had the worst day on defense? Because there's a lot of candidates out there and I've heard plenty of names bandied around. I didn't think it was a great day for Lee McNeil, who was doing pretty well up to this point. I didn't think it was a great day for a lot of the secondary. I know a lot of fans are starting to look closer and closer at cornerbacks in this draft. So like if, if we're going to, I hate to single out one person from the defense because it was a team effort to lose this, but where do you go? Uh, for me, it's Jeff Okuda. You know, I mentioned the the missed tackles, but not only that, he was getting burned on some really big plays. That DJ Moore forty seven yard catch down, right down the middle. He was the only defender. DJ Moore had him. I mean, he he couldn't he couldn't keep up with him. He took a bad angle, and, and it was just stuff like that all day. I think he got burnt on another pass even earlier before that. It was just this was a really this was Jeff Okuda kind of looking like a rookie rather than the uh, the the improving player that we've seen lately. Um, I don't know. Uh, is it? It, it, it kind of makes you wonder if Jeff Okuda is the guy we think he is, or if he's easily exposable. I don't know. I think it's 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 been up and down for him this season, but um, I I think the difference was like you you at least had games where you could like go away from a corner where Okuda was, and like his he it, it was able to shut down that corner. This game though, not not really that much. Like the the they they. I mean, it was mostly DJ Moore, but they did get the ball out to a few other people too. I just, it's a bit of a, it's just, I don't know, trying to figure out what the, what the Panthers did at this point is a little rough. And then, yeah, on the offensive side, um, look, I know everyone thinks like, yeah, Jared Goff has a t- had a ton of counting yards. We can talk there, but there were a lot of times they got stimmied. And uh, I think, you know, Maybe this is kind of a weird blessing in disguise for Lions fans who have been panicking about Ben Johnson getting poached, um, which I don't think is going to happen at all, just because he hasn't done any interviews prior. I was just before the stream, I was looking up, you know, Broncos fired Nathaniel Hackett today. And I didn't see Ben. Ben Johnson's name came up maybe once at the end of a Denver Post uh, candidate a uh, potential candidate list and they had 12 names on there, but the athletic didn't list him. The, 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 uh, I, uh, I think uh, CBS didn't list him. Like, I don't, I, I think a lot of that has to do with that. He's incredibly fresh to this, but I don't think anyone got handed the blueprint to deal with the Ben Johnson offense, but they, they had a game plan for it. And I think we need to stop thinking about this offense as invincible and that Jared Goff is completely fine under pressure too. Like there were, there were, there were cracks in this armor. There were absolutely yeah. cracks in this armor. That, and I think the league is starting to kind of notice that this whole young offensive mind thing doesn't work every single time. 
And and you know, you look at Mike McDaniel. He's he, with the Dolphins. Let's, they're let's they're falling. It let's keep it on this game. It's let's keep it on this game itself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you know, it's I, I just think Wilkes had like a good game plan coming into this for a lot of it. And for sure. uh, yeah, no, I mean, Goff still you know lost. It had been way too many games since he had a turnover, and he kind of lost the turnover battle very quickly. Yeah, just a bad snap, you know. It'll it'll kill you. Uh, at least it wasn't in interceptions. I, I mean, you could say that at least about it. But yeah, that was it, that that drive where they fumbled in the red zone seemed to be what killed them. You know, the entire game. They they never recovered from that. I think that's right. That's where I felt like a lot of the energy kind of came out of that game, and I started to see a lot of people at that point. When that fumble came, I think people were bracing for what came next, and what came next was a twenty-four to seven half. An absolute yeah. ass kicking, even by the half standard. But as much as I know, golf becomes the face of that offense. A lot of this is a lot more on the offensive line of the run game, too. Yeah, they were just bad in the trenches. Couldn't stop the run. Couldn't get their run game going. Um, Jared Goff hadn't been sacked in a while. He took a couple of sacks, especially those, at the those end were of this those game. were late in the game. But yeah, like I didn't feel like he was very comfortable in the pocket for most of the day. Like Brian yeah. Burns was really eating uh, the the tackles lunch money today. Right, and there was a lot of pass deflections too coming off their defensive line. That was a big thing. I hadn't, yeah. I was not ready for that. How many? Do you know how many passes were were uh, broken up? At least three. There might have been more. Yeah, I'm seeing. Uh, I, I mean, the box score has like seven passes defended, but obviously, I don't know how many of those were at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. I want to say at least three. Yeah, that's that's bad. I mean, you know, you can't you can't do it. They they, they clearly just. They knew everything the Lions were going to do, it's especially all those passes over the middle that were theoretically going to Amon Ross St. Brown. They took him away. You know, they took they took their their top pass catcher away and the Lions kind of fell. Not yeah. kind of fell. They did fell. No, they fell. They fell pretty hard yeah. in this game. It's um, it's unfortunate because it it. I don't know. I think fans were kind of looking past this one a little bit, but I don't think the Lions were at all. It's just. It's one of those games that, again, you mentioned the Bengals game Ryan talked about, but I don't think anyone really had this game on their radar for one to fall apart for the Lions. No, it seemed like a game that was tailor-made to continue this winning streak. The, the, at least on paper, the Panthers' defense isn't that great. Uh, they, they only run the ball, and the Lions have been good against the run coming into this game, at least the past few weeks. You mentioned that may may or may not be real. Uh, but you know, it looked like this was going to be the game that, that they could continue to win. I was more worried about next week than I was this game. Yeah. And again, like I, I, I have to bring this up because again, I know everyone's going to say, yeah, Dalvin cook, but in that Vikings game, I think they only ran the ball 15 times and then immediately gave up on it when it was clear the lions at least could stop them up front. Yeah. They handed Dalvin cook the ball 15 times, Alexander Madison, uh, twice. So like versus the versus the Panthers, who I'm pretty sure tallied 43 rushing attempts yeah. in this game. That's yeah. They're primarily a rushing team, clearly. Yeah. yeah. And, Almost and not, 600 and, yards. Yeah. And I was going to say, include off of that, too. Like I uh, New York tried running the ball about 22 times. And it, their their biggest threat was Zonovan Knight, who got them 23 yards. But that's not like a name. And I, I have to stress this, like Dante Foreman, at least, is a name. I know nobody noticed him when he was standing behind Derrick Henry in Tennessee, but he's been very good for Carolina yeah. for what they want to do. And honestly, Steve Wilkes 
I, I know everyone's like, we lost to a team that uh, the Lions lost to a team that had fired their head coach. No, like this, this team is playing very well for Steve Wilkes right now. To the point where I think some people are saying Steve Wilkes should get the Carolina head coaching job, the permanent job. Yeah, if they're if they're able to get in, he should absolutely get consideration, yeah. heavy consideration. I guess the last thing I want to cover on this game before we move on to talking about uh, some other topics here, especially when it comes to playoffs. And I want to get back to your point about Ben Johnson and offensive coordinators uh, later in the show here as well. But um, I, I started hearing it again with that. And I think this is more tailor made to your up your alley, Mike. Yeah. The uh, words, the, the, the words, the same old lions, that this was the same old lions type of loss that they had just gotten up everyone's hopes and then dashed it here, which uh, not, I, I don't know. Like I, 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 I get frustrated when I hear that. So I'm a little irrational on it. I don't. And I know it's going to be easy for us to say like, it wasn't same old lions, but it, it, it wasn't the lions came into this after starting one and six, they had turned around their entire season. And I'm sorry, you're just not going to run the table down the stretch. And all we talked about here about, the Carolina Panthers are built like the lions when it comes to that. They want to go in the trenches against you. They want to go in the trenches. The The part that where the lions were really let down was the secondary. But to be honest, can we even like be surprised at that? We had seen this coming all year. Like this wasn't just the lions completely crapping the bed. This was like, these were weaknesses. The lions had shown all year, all year long weaknesses. They had shown, and it just finally came to a head. So I, the idea that they want to run the table down the stretch, like I might have said it on the podcast. I was drunk at the time. <laughs> I was drunk at the time. It's, I will it's admit, really, really hard to win nine games no, regardless it, it, of who you are. <laughs> like, like we, we were talking about the Lions having to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have been like, uh, let's see. I can do counting. I can count. I can count five, six. Yeah, they would have had to like win. Yeah, nine out of ten. Or like eight out of nine to get to the playoffs. Yeah, that's what we were asking of them. Very, very hard to do. They're that. not. They're not the Eagles. Nobody was saying they're the Eagles. They can't. They can't have that kind of performance every, and especially against some of the teams they had been playing down the stretch too. You you kick the ass of the Jaguars and Vikings, but the Jets had a chance to get back in it, and the Jets are bad. So, like, this is just who the Lions were. This wasn't same old Lions to get your hopes up. And, I mean, damn, they kept, like, I don't know. The, the, I, I think the counter to that is they just stopped fighting near the end. But, like, I don't know, man. They got punched in the mouth really hard in this game, and they had no answer. Look, I I, I think that, you know, obviously there was a – this was a really fun last seven, eight weeks other than, you know, Saturday. And, and the Lions have shown that they can go out and do some things. But this is still very much a rebuild. And eventually during a rebuild, you need to get to that point in your rebuild where you're a team who can go out and win the big games that you need to win with all the pressure on you to clinch a playoff spot or what have you. And the Lions just aren't that team yet. Uh, maybe, maybe they'll maybe they'll win uh, against Chicago and then maybe they'll beat Green Bay in, in, in week 18 because it's clearly going down to that. But they showed that they're just not that team yet. And that's OK. It's only the second year of this rebuild. They also showed that they've turned a big corner they're they're not the same old lions this is a great young squad that's drafting well that's uh progressing well and in, in every facet you want them to it's I'm, just it, it's not done yet i'm gonna do the jeremy thing and be a bit of a wet blanket on that just because i do worry about 
uh, year-to-year progress as we saw at the start of the season. It's not just one-to-one. You don't just pick up where you left off, but it's hard to envision this regime looking the wrong way right now. Like there's a lot of hope to them. They can still really screw this up in year three, but right now, like, yeah, the the hope is still there. I just think that this was kind of a bit of red meat uh, to people wanting to just go after the lions, but it's also a bit of red meat too. Cause I know the lions players kind of did it themselves by taking questions about the state of bank of America field. Um, yeah, that it was poor that was condition. Bad. I don't, you, you shouldn't have been, I don't think players should have been near a mic for that at all. Cause that's bad red meat. That's, that's a, I know that's, they, they play it for, for the, for the record. That's field turf pro at bank of America field um, or stadium, excuse me. So it is an artificial turf. So it's not like it was torn up. It was they were complaining about the turf being hard and frozen, but you just play to the trope that you're an indoor team at that point. And it's red meat to people like that. You're complaining. I I know it's been a thing across the league where players of multiple teams have complained about playing surfaces, be it, be it natural surface that just isn't well kept or about these artificial surfaces that tear up legs, but just, I don't know. On one hand, you have Dan Campbell saying hell of an ass whooping. And we all enjoy that. And then you have lions players and it was written up in M live that they're complaining about the surface too. That's not that, that part wasn't good. Yeah, that's they, that was that was not a good look because it, like you mentioned, it kind of makes it look like they're blaming the loss on the the field, you know, the, and the way the field was. And can I say the other thing that sounds like red meat? And just mm-hmm. real quick, uh, coaches, especially Dan Campbell, got to stop saying, "Oh, I didn't have them ready" or "I didn't have them prepared," because that makes it look ten times worse. Because because your job is to have them prepared. You can't come out and say that you didn't do your job that week, even though that's not what he said, but that's the way I think some people perceive it. I, I, I I don't think as many people see that. I think, I think people see that as him taking uh, responsibility on himself at best. And at worst, I think that just is going to go down as quarterback speak. I mean, not kind of kind of like it's coach speak, the coach speak version of quarterback speak. I think we've heard enough from Dan Campbell enough to know that that's a, that's a key that he's just taking the blame on himself, which is what he does after a loss, but yeah, no, I, I get it. I'm I, I see how it could be interpreted as that, especially at the end of the year when people are making uh, comments about Dan Campbell's job. But look, I think most people have just been won over by the fact they won this many games down the stretch. And as we're going to talk about the playoff hopes are not dead yet. No, they got a lot of cold water thrown on them, but they are not completely dead yet. So we're going to, uh, we're going to espouse upon that. We've got we're going to do one more segment here. This is going to be a short POD cast day. Uh, we'll take a little bit of break, talk to the audience on Twitch, get this podcast out to you here. Uh, but coming up next in the Pride of Detroit POD cast, we did talk about some playoff hopes. I want to go through those playoff scenarios, what needs to happen and how faithful me and Mike feel about those scenarios and uh, and where we can go with them. Plus, as the coaching search search starts to head up, the Broncos got ahead today of Black of a Black Monday. How much we are worried about guys like Ben Johnson and Aaron Glenn getting poached from the Detroit Lions, which I know if if Jeremy was here would be a big concern for him. But we'll talk about that. And uh, yeah, because I interrupted Mike earlier, I want him to get to his point there. But uh, I'm going to be the dick and keep everything on on target. So we'll be right back on the Pride Detroit POD cast. But first, 
The Pride of Detroit podcast, POD Cast, is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. They didn't pack enough going down to Carolina. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has eight grams. Trust me. If it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania. They use locally sourced all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. We got to get you some more of that stuff, Mike. Yeah, I, I definitely got to get some more of that. And I know I can using our uh, promo code for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll give that the promo code in a second because I just used to get some uh, the baby blues barbecue flavors. Yes. So you guys have one more week of this here. Less than that. Right up until the new year, we have the gift of meat going for you. Meat gifts. Use promo code POD20 to get 20% off your order at RighteousFelon.com. After the new year comes, we'll be back to POD 15. You'll be able to get 15% off your order, but if you want that sweet, extra juicy 5% on top, 555, use POD 20 at RighteousFelon.com. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. We'll make this a quick one tonight. We move on right to the heart of the matter, which is still playoffs as the Detroit Lions. They're not down and out from the playoffs, but the door is closing rapidly and there are now some elimination scenarios on the on the horizon um i think the big one is if the commanders beat the browns then the lions are done so right now their fate rests in the hands of another team right now which isn't i mean it it was kind of there to begin with but now it comes down to a game uh that uh is is right it's two things would happen to eliminate them this week they would have to lose the bears and the commanders would beat the browns and then it's game over right tight so what's that it's tight it's a tight window yeah so you have two more games on the schedule 
uh, one last chance to make it to above 500. And unfortunately, what it looks like, like the Bears, the Bears are probably a bad matchup for the Lions. They've beaten them before, though, and it's in the house. And I'm not, I'll save the Raiders. I'll save the Packers for a little bit later. So looking at this next week coming up, like where, where is, where is the feeling at this point? Because the Lions, they fall to seven, nine. They cannot mathematically catch the Giants or the Commanders. Well, I, you know, I think you have to be worried about the same thing that kind of burnt them last time was Justin, Justin Fields. You know, the guy is, he's incredible. He's going to pull off some amazing plays. He ran all over the Lions last time. Uh, he'll do it again. Um, obviously, the good side of things, though, is the Bears are currently dead last in DVOA on defense, and the Lions were able to score on them quite a bit last time, so they should theoretically be able to do it again, especially in their own house. Um, yeah, I, I mean, this this should be a winnable game. It should be a game that they win. You you would say that, but I think I think the big question is we finally saw the Lions with all the feel-good energy get punched in the mouth in Carolina. And I think it's going to say a lot about this team on how do they react after getting punched in the mouth as hard as they did. I don't think that answer is automatically they will bounce back and Dan Campbell will have them swinging out of the gates right away. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Dan Campbell did say today, though, that some, sometimes you play your best games after you've been punched in the mouth or at least a kicked in the mouth. But uh you know it, it we'll see if if it, if that winds up being what actually happens but yeah i think i think there's reason to be concerned especially with that uh that bears offense and justin fields you just never know and especially after what happened last week when they allowed almost 600 yards of offense to the panthers yeah so they can keep the they can keep the hit their 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 uh their fate in their hands Seattle is like right there as well. And they're flagging bad is the good news. However, the commanders and the, and the giants are still not completely at that. This is the weird thing about that. The weekend, the holiday weekend is that everything else went right for the lions to stay in the hunt, except for picking up the win. Yeah. They would have actually been out of the hunt and right into the playoff spot. Had they won uh on saturday they would be currently residing in that seventh spot right now Mm -hmm. had they won now they have to fight uh just to stay alive yeah so i believe the the giants are playing the colts on new year's day as we said the commanders are playing the browns seahawks are playing the jets and we just saw news uh, earlier today that that uh, Mike White is going to be back for the Jets against the Seattle Seahawks. However, I, I don't think these Jets team is looking what they're we want to talk about flagging teams. I'm not sure if the Jets are really going to do the Lions a, a solid here. Yeah, I guess, you know, if we're pinning our hopes on Mike White, that's a problem. Uh, that's that's a real risk there. Um the Jets, the best thing you can hope for is the Jets are still alive in the playoff hunt, too. And uh, and hopefully they 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 fight like hell. I mean, that's your best bet. But that's and the Seahawks have also been trending down for, for weeks now. So there's some hope there. But Mike White doesn't doesn't really move the needle for me. It doesn't doesn't turn it into a, a definite win for them. Well, I don't I don't think Jets. it's I think the thing is, is like he it's he's definitely an upgrade over Zach Wilson at this oh, point. Definitely. Yeah, for, for sure. a lot of different reasons. And it's better than them going to Joe Flacco. So it is on paper an upgrade. It's just I don't know it that that game has like a Seattle loss kind of written on it. I mean, yeah, I mean, a Seattle win written on it, I feel like. The Giants game is a little harder to suss out with the Colts just because the Colts are just 
weird. And then for the Browns, I I mean, both 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 the Commanders and the Giants are playing teams with no real aspirations to them right now. But I th- feel like the Browns, at the very least, play for a bit of pride here. So, but there's there's not a lot to go on as far as those teams, at least, like fighting for anything in contention. We're getting down to a lot of games near the end of the year that just don't matter for some teams. And every team wants to play hard at the end, but. When there's no carrot in front of them, there is a bit of uh, there is a bit of of motivation factor that changes. Yeah, the motivation at this point is just to play spoiler. But even then, you're not really playing spoiler against a, a divisional team or a conference team. Even these are all yeah, Browns are eliminated, games. Colts are eliminated, and they're cross division cross cross conference games. Yeah, right. So I don't want to even think about next week after that. <laughs> Like, I, I don't want to think about how everyone is now talking about the Green Bay Packers backing their way into these playoffs. But the Lions do have to worry about a Week 18 matchup now meaning the world for the playoffs in Lambeau as well, if they get past the Bears. Right. And, uh, you know, the Packers could just as well be eliminated after this week as well. If, if they lose to the Vikings, they're done. That's it. Don't think they're losing to the Vikings. You don't think so? I don't think they're losing to the Vikings. Isn't it in Minnesota? No, it's in it's in Green Bay. Is it okay? It's uh, yeah, in Green all right. Bay. Well, that that changes things a little bit. Then. It, yeah, it, cha- sure. it does change things dramatically, and it's it was one of the later games. And Minnesota, for anyone can talk about their record as much as they want, but they have not looked like they they have needed some insane miracles against teams that honestly they didn't need miracles against. Now, granted, we're glad we got one of those miracles because. One of those teams was the Giants, but they needed a 61-yard field goal this past week to beat said Giants, and they needed to come back from the largest deficit. They they had the largest deficit comeback in history in the NFL against the Colts. Right, like they're they are like as much as people can say, look at their wins. A lot of this has been really fugazi for them. So you look at that Packers game, and I'm not saying the Packers are playing particularly well, but uh, the Packers can like just took down the dolphins. Yeah. I, I think the dolphins were just about as fugazi as it gets though. I mean, they, they beat the crap out of the lions and that's all well and good, but they, anytime it's a different been, team versus the start of the year. Yeah. Yeah. They, they've been falling apart for weeks now, but um, you know, it, how does this keep happening? How do we keep getting to the point where it's the last game of the season and everything rides on against the Packers? Every, everything is it's all on the line against the Packers. It's going to be like that. Every, it's 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 constantly like that. It was like that in 2014. Uh, well, 2014 was eight years ago now. Right. Like, uh, it's, it's been a minute. It, I'm just saying. Yeah, it's, it's been, been a minute, minute since. Yeah, you know, I, I I agree. But it, it it seems. Well, even, you know, if you go to the 2015 season, the Lions had a, a, the smallest possible chance of 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 coming back and making the playoffs. And and Green Bay hit him with that Hail Mary at home. And that ended everything. It just seems like anytime the Lions hope gets ended, it's usually by the the people in Green Bay. I don't want to go down this conversation because I will fall into the trap of too many Lions fans talking about the league being scripted for this moment. And it's not. It's just it's, yeah, because, no, it's, it's because they schedule the, the I think the problem is they always schedule Packers Lions late in the season. That's yeah. why it always seems to come down to it. Every right. team is almost engineered to be in this hunt late in the year if you are good and like yeah yeah when you play late divisional games like this yes it absolutely does come down to it more often than not just because of 
who is on the schedule right in front of you this time of year. Right. And how many years have the Lions ended the ended the season playing Green Bay? I think, well, I think this will be the third in a row, but before that, I think there was a, a break in between. There was a break in between. There was always one in like December. Yeah. There was always one in December, late, to your point. Um, we got a little bit of time here at the end, so I want to move away from the playoffs a little bit. As I said, we're getting past the uh, the the Broncos just kind of, I don't think they clearly kicked off Black Monday necessarily. They're still a little bit early. I'm shocked it took them this long to decide to fire Nathaniel Hackett, if I'm yeah. being completely honest. Uh, you know, they got their asses absolutely whooped by the Rams. They, I don't remember last time I've seen a 50 burger put on a team, even like the Denver Broncos, especially not by a quarterback like Baker Mayfield, especially not by this Rams team. And it hurts a little bit because it takes away from the Rams draft pick for the lions, but it also puts Nathaniel Hackett out the door and it sets up the uh, looking for coach sign for the Broncos. Now, the Panthers were already in that pool, having fired Matt Rule a lot earlier in the season. Uh, we still have to see if Cliff Kingsbury remains in Arizona. I think he does. I know he's bad, but like I think that's a situation where an owner is not going to keep paying for a, a coach to go away. And I think we were talking about this off year. I'm pretty sure McDaniels comes back to the Raiders just because they don't have money to pay two fired head coaches. They're still paying John Gruden. Uh, and we have to see where some of these other coaching jobs go right now, especially with, I, I, I don't even know what you do with the Texans at this point. Lovey Smith is always kind of a interesting Keep around there. We have to see what happens, maybe even in New England, depending on some reports. So I guess my point is that we're coming we're coming into the coach frenzy search. And I think it's a good sign for the Lions because I started looking around for the. Uh, I started looking around for who the Broncos could be hiring. I looked at Denver Post and a few other places and Ben Johnson's name comes up maybe once. Among media, I think everyone else is tuned into this. Uh, I'm going to butcher his name again. Stan Steichen, the uh, offensive coordinator for Philadelphia, who is 37. And he's got a lot more experience under his belt than Ben Johnson. And he, I believe he coached defense for a while in, in the league as well. So, like, there's, I, I think... As much as Lions fans have worried that Ben Johnson would go away, I think there's bigger fish in the pond. Now, of course, Denver also wants like, you know, Sean Payton, but that's I, I want a pony too. Sure. But like you, you see the names that are floating out there. And Ben Johnson's name, I just don't see come up a lot. I see it talked a lot about in Detroit. I see it mostly in the terms of the fear, but a lot of the people who I talk with who are actually who are like are like and read from these coaching searches Ben Johnson's name doesn't come up because he's a first year offensive coordinator because as as great as he has done a job that we can talk about for turning around the Lions offense he just doesn't have that kind of experience right now yeah it's a pretty big ass to to bring in a guy off one year of 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 uh being an offensive coordinator I think previous to that he was a tight ends coach and then shove him into a head coaching role. That's a that's a really really big ask. But then again, that's kind of what the Lions did. 
I mean, Dan Campbell did have that that time as a as a uh, interim coach with the Dolphins there for a few games, but before that and after that, he's mostly been a positional coach or an assistant head coach, which I, I guess I guess could get you could get you a job. But I, I think I think look, I don't think Ben Johnson get hired e- either, but I don't think we could totally count out the idea that could happen. Well, I to that point, I think Eric point Eric Schlipp pointed out like the Broncos have for the last few hires hired first year head coaches from offensive coordinators, young offensive coordinators. But I don't think as much as I think Detroit pumps him up, he's not there yet. Several reasons to that. One, again, lack of experience. Two, you have to convince an owner you want to hire someone who was coaching for the Detroit Lions at the end of the day. And like, I I know everyone can see what Ben Johnson's doing, but owners are just sitting there in the box watching their team a lot of the time. They're not, they're not, I don't think they're keyed in that same way. And they just kind of sour on the idea of like, really, you want to get someone from the lions and like, look, I, I don't think this Carolina games put a damper on him, his prospects at all. But like a lot of the guys who are going to get looks at are guys who were interviewed last year as well, or they're going to be coming from teams who are going to be playoff teams. That's just how kind of how the NFL really works. If I, I don't even think a, a deep run for the lions at this point, when I say playoff teams, I'm talking again about like the Eagles teams that have already punched their ticket teams who are with double digit wins right now, who have like shown themselves as being very prolific in the NFL right now. And I don't think Ben Johnson is there. No, I, I think you're right. And I, I mean, you've, you've brought up that point uh, about not, people not wanting to hire the uh, Alliance coach before. And I think that has a lot to do with it too. Um, you know, I I I don't think he goes anywhere, and I don't think I don't think Aaron or, uh, Aaron Glenn goes anywhere either. I think the one coach that Lions fans should be worried about losing is Kelvin Shepard to a DC spot. I I think that plenty of teams are going to be uh, have him on their radar to 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 come be a DC somewhere. I, I would be more worried about that than I would be worrying about uh, for Glenn Aaron Glenn or Johnson for Aaron Glenn. No, no, Kelvin Shepard. Oh, for Kelvin Shepard. Okay, yeah. Okay, well. That's that's a little bit different. I'd, I'm not even sure like where to even start gauging that for right now. But I think I'd say we, that's that's the only coach I think that would probably be gone after this year. It would that's the only th- one yeah. that I think the Lions could lose. I, I but again, like I don't even think you can really sell people on the idea of taking someone from a, a, any any position on the defense that is like one of the worst in the league right now. Yeah, that's true. But you know the whole leader of men thing that that really does go a long way. Um, and I, and I, I think that, you know, you can really see that this Lions defense, well, it hasn't been that great. It's, it's, it's incredibly young. It's the, it's the youngest defensive unit in the whole league. Um, and they've, they've definitely played above their weight, even though that hasn't been that, you know, that great. Yeah, we'll see. I think you had one more point you were talking about, I think, offensive coordinators earlier that it might be out of vogue at this point. I don't think we're there yeah. yet. But I, I mean, I, I think the thing is this year in particular – the bigger names are defensive guys. It's going to be Dan Quinn, or it's going to be um, funny enough. I think the Broncos actually their their in-house defensive coordinator turned down the chance to be a, uh, uh, an interim head coach, but I know he's obviously been on the radar, but as much as there's Dan Quinn and Najira and Evero on those radars, so are still Brian Callahan. And so is, uh, and so is uh, uh, the guy from Philadelphia. And so, I mean, I mean, maybe you get someone, some more guys on this radar like Frazier or, or Morris, but I don't think we're over our love affair of offensive coordinators yet, though. Well, there's also Eric Bieniemy, who is another guy I saw on one of those Broncos that, lists. That, that star has passed. 
I know people are, I think people are going to keep stalking that horse, but like you only get so many bites of the apple to get your name out there in this league. Yeah, he was in, he was in all the uh, the interviews and was, unfortunately yeah. was not able to nail down one of those jobs. Yeah, there, there's a reason when you get that many interviews and aren't getting something, something like there's uh, I don't I don't want to get into it. That's, that's not part of the scope. But like, I mean, D'Amico Ryans, I think, was the young defensive coordinator from San Francisco that shows up on a lot of these. But again, back to the back to the original point, like I, I don't think we're done with the hunger for offensive coordinators. And I think give him a couple of years, if it keeps working, Ben Johnson will go somewhere. I just don't think it's this year right now. I don't think Lions should worry right now for anything like that. I agree. I do still think he gets an interview or two and I think he takes them, but I don't think he gets hired. Yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll want that interview for him to be on the record. Cause I think there's like some of the other guys that have been in the Broncos job or like guys who, who interviewed last year. And that's a big thing, but nobody has interviewed Ben Johnson yet. Right. But I just think compared with the, the inexperience of everything, it's just not going to happen. Yep. I think that's safe to, uh, to think. Any other thoughts on the, on the, uh, what we could see out of these, uh, the uh, Black Friday coming up or now or Monday uh, or whatever this is. I don't, I don't think, I don't think Belichick's going anywhere. I think he pretty much owns that team. Um, I think, I think when he leaves, it's going to be him retiring, mm. but, and you were, you were right about McDaniel. I really thought that there was a chance that that could be over with, but, uh, but you made some very, very good points there. Um, I think, I think that, you know, what there's Colts, there's the, uh, the Panthers, there's the Broncos. That's who we have right now. God, I forgot about the Colts. Jesus yeah, Christ, I forgot yeah. about the Colts. Jeff, Jeff Saturday's definitely not holding on to that gig. I mean, he uh, might. He, he might yeah, I guess. I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm lapsing into Chris hates the Colts territory here, so I think we should put a bow on this. We've, we've, we've wandered way away from Lions, so I think yeah. we can probably close up this podcast. So I want to thank everyone for the uh, year we've had at Pride of Detroit. Um, for those who didn't see it on Twitter, the POD cast made it into the top 20 of Apple podcasts. I think it'll go down a little bit just between the loss and the holidays and this late recording and everything. But, um, you guys have made us awesome. We are in spitting distance of Mike Francesa. I don't want to spit on the man, but I love, I love the man growing up, but, uh, we're number six. We were number 16 last week on the Apple podcast charts for football and combine that with everything else we've talked about this year about all the accolades we can hang up, all the money we raised for November. Next time we probably see you for POD cast itself. It will be after the new year. Uh, or might be on the new year itself. We'll see if we have first bite later this week and maybe some mailbag episodes. We want to get this out to you guys here coming back from the holidays. So uh, for myself, for Mike Payton, for Jeremy and Ryan, who are dealing with their holiday families right now, this has been the Pride of Detroit POD cast and we'll see you star side.
Pride of Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein and each stick has eight grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. And now through the end of December, you can go to RighteousFelon.com and use the discount code POD20 at checkout to get 20% off your order. That's promo code POD20 at RighteousFelon.com, valid through 1231-2022.